0: what we look for in the end of the day is that beautiful intersection between what people care about and what our brands stand for in a, in a way that we can deliver our strategy in a
1: very authentic way. I'm your host, Dave Knox, and this is Predicting the Turn, a show that helps business leaders meet their industry's inevitable disruption head on. Welcome to another episode of Predicting the Turn. Today, we sit down with Marcel Macandas, who is the CMO of Anheuser-Busch. Marcel, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dave. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's a pleasure. And, you know, we're recording this the day after the Super Bowl, so it's a perfect timing in the world of beer and advertising and everything else. Exactly. What a day. Indeed. Well, I want to dive in to uh, talk about the, the changing businesses. You know, COVID-19 has obviously changed really not only consumer behaviors, but also how, as we work as marketing and advertising professionals, what are the key learnings you've had from 2020 and how you are carrying those into 2021? It's a very good question, Dave. I think uh, two main things come to my mind when
0: I think about 2020, which by the way, I think is a special year, not only because of all the challenges we, we, we have all faced and we are still facing, but especially because of the learnings. Right, so we hear internally that after everything we've we've been through, we definitely do not want to get back to normal we we want to get better so when you think about that i I have two two things coming through my mind: one is humanity, and that's one of the that's for sure one of the key learnings and we We've been talking about consumer centricity for a while, but during last year, I think we took it to the next level. We woke up one day you 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 might imagine how it was like to to see okay. Restaurants are shutting down. Bars are, are shutting down. Sports events are shutting down. M- music concerts are getting canceled. Birthday parties are not uh, happening anymore. So it's pretty much like everywhere and every occasion where people drink beer is not going to happen anymore. Right? So, I mean, we said, OK, we really need to become obsessed about consumers, uh, what's happening with their routines, what's changing their behaviors. And let's adjust ourselves and let's adjust what we do and the way we work to better serve them instead of trying to convince them to adjust the way they live to better connect to what we do. So in summary, those are two big things on that statement that we have uh, in our minds as big learnings, humanity, putting people first in a disproportionate way and two, having a lot of agility to really change and adapt what we do and the way we work to better serve them, to be more relevant to them.
1: So, you know, the Super Bowl, I mentioned it uh, just occurred yesterday as we we're uh, recording this. You know, super exciting time of the year, center to everything that you guys do as a business. And every year, Anheuser-Busch is always one of the, the hallmarks for advertising in the game, around the game, and everything else. Can you talk a little bit about how you set your strategy for the Super Bowl, particularly this year, and how you made the choices of brands that would stay as mainstays and maybe some mainstays that would? be skipping out this year?
0: Okay, so we basically take into consideration two pillars every year. One is consumer trends, because we want to, to make sure that we are in sync with culture to, be re, to make sure we are really relevant to people. That's a must for us, uh, connected to our people-centric approach. The second pillar is our commercial strategy, right? So what we look for in the end of the day is that beautiful intersection between what people care about and what our brands stand for in a a way that we can deliver our strategy in a very authentic way. So, these are the two avenues we take into consideration every year. This time, we had, I mean, an obvious incremental challenge, which was everything that was changing, that is changing in the world as a consequence of COVID. So, for us to be really able to walk the talk and to drive consistency in our actions uh, coming out of 2020, we decided to make a few a few bold calls as well, right? So this is what, to, uh, what led us to decide to take Budweiser out of the game after 37 years. It was all about being consistent to the way Budweiser uh, was behaving during the whole year 20, of 2020, right? Budweiser started the year by pivoting its uh, sponsorship investments to really convert the sports arenas into uh, blood drive centers for the Red Cross. And then we, we 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 supported also a lot of other movements going on for people that 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 were alone at home and didn't have any anybody to talk to. Black Lives Matter, so on and so forth. So now that the vaccination thing is the big hope we all have to get out of this situation finally. And there's so much misinformation about vaccines. Uh, we saw like that's a, a a beautiful opportunity for Budweiser to add value to the American population as well, and this has a much greater value. Than having an advertising uh, moment during the game as well, so it was a, a tough debate. But because because Budweiser stands for the best of America, and because Budweiser needed to be consistent to the way he was behaving, uh, we felt like it was the right thing to do, and we took the and we took the risk. Now we're very happy, but at the time we had endless butterflies in our st- in our stomach for sure. And the other different decision that we uh, that we made for this year was to have our very first corporate spot highlighting in Heiserbusch, which was actually a, a spot to focus on the category, right? Because in the end of the day, I think we are all going through conversations with our friends and family nowadays in, uh, in, in the lines of, hey, I can't wait until we can get back together over a beer. So everybody's having conversations like this. So we felt like, wow, it's a great opportunity to really remind people of the role we really have in their lives. It's much more than just beer. It's about those moments when we get together around the beer and they're so meaningful. And as the leaders of the category, we felt like it's our job to do this for the beer category as a, as a whole. So that was another big decision that we made to, to move forward with the very first corporate uh, spot we, had, we have in our history. And then beyond that, we continue with our brands uh, being in, in the game as well because we believe, I still believe, the Super Bowl is a great moment as well to highlight uh, what you stand for and also to launch new products because people are really willing to watch the TV commercials. So we continue to have a very strong lineup, but different this time. Uh, As I said, first, to be consistent to what the brands stand for, and second, to to really address our strategy uh, in a consumer-centric way.
1: Talking a little bit more about that consumer-centric nature that you, you drive for the business, you recently na- announced some changes to your marketing team structure with opening up these regional consumer hubs. Why did you decide to have your team move to these locations? And what are you really hoping to achieve with that new structure? I, I mean, the, 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 the more we work, I mean, the closer
0: we get to our consumers, the best the outcome is, always. So it's interesting, right? You and I, before we started recording this conversation, we were talking about Philly Philly a few years ago in super bowl it was all about philadelphia right we i mean everything that bud light did in philadelphia was i mean was huge was super meaningful uh, to that region we we not only saw amazing consumer reaction but we also saw amazing business results there right and then uh, in that year uh, we also did the, the, the victory fridge right in ohio so some of our big hits in terms of uh, marketing efforts are connected to local communities and also, again, if you want to walk to the talk on our people-centric approach, we need to get as close as possible to, to, to consumers. So all the ways led us to getting physically closer to them as well. So we are selecting these regions uh, in California, in Florida, in Missouri, St. Louis, New York, and Texas, uh, where we feel like we're going to get closer to some very important consumer cohorts that are making a big difference in our industry, right? From from Hispanics to African-Americans, so on and so forth. Every, every city was chosen because of a specific trend and a specific concentration of, of consumer cohorts so that we can have a very deep pulse of culture and what's going on there. So we can really adapt our products, our communication, our brand content and messages to really become more, even more meaningful and relevant to those consumer cohorts now and in the
1: future. So double clicking on that a little bit, you know, one of the things that's really interesting with craft beer is it's very, always been very regional by nature. And if you look at all the brewers collective that Anheuser-Busch has in the family, that's you know, still very regional in that. How do you blend that regionality of the national businesses like the Victory Fridge with, you know, the other brands in your portfolio? That's a great question as well.
0: Because, I mean, uh, we have the privilege of having this enormous portfolio of brands, having small brands, medium brands, big brands, local brands, national brands. And I think we, we, we need to be, I mean, in our culture, I think something that I really admire about the way we behave every day is, is, is that we try to, to bring to, to, to the work this magical combination between being humble, but at the same time, ambitious. So being humble because we have to learn every day we need to raise the bar and get better every day and ambitious because we always dream big and i think the combination of those two elements is magic and that's what we try to bring to to the office or to the work even from home every single day so when i think about it craft that all the craft partners that we have in, in our system they're so precious and we learn so much from them and you nailed it as you said how do you blend it the the word to me, the key, the, the key objective for us every day here is to blend it, to get the best of both worlds together. Honestly, when you talk, usually when we talk to the craft partners, they say, "Ah, you guys are not authentic. You only do big things as a big corporation. And when you talk to the big brands, they say, the craft guys, they only do small things. They don't scale up. And so as we get these, these two things, uh, these two worlds combined, bring the best of the both worlds, we start to see, Craft brands getting an amazing scale, and BCBU is, per, is overperforming the market big time. They're doing an amazing job. And we also see the national brands learning how to be much more relevant locally and getting much closer to consumers. So I love blending that because I think we all win and we all get better.
1: What's an example of that blending that you're most proud of within the Anheuser-Busch family? I think you mentioned already a few examples about big
0: brands acting local. Right? So you just spoke about Philly Philly, Victory Fridge. We released this year some, some limited edition packs that celebrate some, some important musicians or personalities for some regions. And it pays dividends big, big, big time. On top of that, we are supporting with, with big brands. And even with AB, the local communities in a much more evident way. We just spoke about one team at the beginning of the pandemic, spoke about the vaccination efforts coming from Budweiser now all the black lives matters initiatives like the scholarships for the black community to become uh, a brew as well so we're getting much closer we're, we're we're leveraging from the size of our big brands to really make a difference because big brands can make a difference because of their stature so we're leveraging from that to make a, a great impact in practical terms and on the other hand you see the escalation of some of the uh, uh, of the craft beers like for example we are leveraging from, from our big sponsorships to give even more uh, horsepower to the craft brands in the, in their communities and to help them scale up, like from the Yankees to the Dodgers in, in New York, to the Dodgers in, in, in Los Angeles, to the Texans in Texas, so on and so forth. So when, whenever we apply some some tactics that we use uh, uh, to apply to big brands only to this more local brands, it's still in an authentic way. The impact is huge. Right, and that's why we see, that's another reason why we see some very meaningful growth rates coming from the craft brands as well. So I really believe that we are walking the talk on this humble but ambitious approach, and we're trying to bring the best of both worlds together. And, and so far, getting very, very powerful dividends out of that.
1: Talent is a big part of predicting the turn. And as we talk about talent, I wanted to mention one of our sponsors, Hunt Club. Imagine the power of the best marketers in the world helping you to find your next marketing leader. That's the power of Hunt Club. Hunt Club is a new category of talent company that powers the network of experts, connectors, and business leaders to help you find the best talent. Let's face it, recruiting hasn't changed with the times. Hunt Club is changing the recruiting game by leveraging technology and crowdsource referrals to find you the best people possible for your company. Stop paying job boards that don't work or recruiting firms that recycle the same active candidates. Partner with Hunt Club. When we look at you know the last decade, and particularly the last year, e-commerce has been one of the biggest trends out there. And for the alcohol beverage industry, it's been a little bit more difficult because of the three-tier system, state-by-state regulations in terms of shipping, et cetera. How are you guys thinking about embracing e-commerce and the changes that are finally kind of being unlocked in that space? Very good point
0: uh, as well, David. And you said it all, right? I think for in the alcoholic uh, landscape, things are a little bit different from, for e-commerce for the reasons you said on, on local regulations and also the three-tier system. However, I really believe we've reached a point of no return, period. After everything that, that happened last year, convenience is one uh, uh, a consumer trend that is getting bigger and bigger by the day. And once people really experiment and experience buying things online including alcohol they're not they're not coming back period at a certain extent this this will become an acquired behavior so point of no return we're seeing growth rates uh, although starting from a smaller base as you said like uh, of like 200 300 percent in our portfolio via e-commerce so what are we doing uh, first we we, we created a team uh, within draftline our in-house agency that is fully focused on e-commerce DraftLine exists exactly to connect data with creativity. It's all about personalization at scale. So that's the perfect opportunity for us to talk to, to our consumers on a one-to-one basis and really find personalized ways to, to grab their attention, to then transform attention into transaction. So it's it's the perfect avenue and the perfect bridge to make it happen. We've been getting uh, amazing results. Although it's crazy to think that nowadays we create not, not hundreds of, uh, of uh, content pieces anymore, but thousands. Now, because we're really trying to, uh, to drive personalization at scale. This is really crazy. And then, for example, uh, we were talking about Super Bowl. Uh, and then uh, I think it was interesting to see Bud Lighthouse or Lemonade, for example, right? Simultaneously, to when the spot aired last night, we had a proactive Drizzly push to all the people that, that uh, purchased at, at Drizzly already saying, hey, we watched the spot as well. So if we're thinking about Lemonade now, just click here and this is the time. So these kinds of integration between above the line, below the line, so on and so forth, uh, always with the mindset of uh, translating attention into transaction is great. And I really believe that this is what we're going to do more and more moving forward.
1: So you mentioned Drizzly. You've got, in e-commerce, you have these pure play new platforms that have emerged. You have the traditional retailers doing their pickup and collect. And then you have brands doing their own direct-to-consumer. How do you think about that blend? Because the word e-commerce isn't just a singular word anymore. I think we're, I think all those avenues will continue
0: to, to, to progress and to evolve. Uh, I really think so, Dave. Exactly because uh, this is a big trend that is here to stay. We, we're going to see progress more in some places than in others. But with the traditional retailers, like, like let's talk about Walmart, they're, build, they're building a huge e-com business, and they're building this together with them. And I have no doubts that this is going to be huge. It's the future for us, but it's the future for them as well. Actually, it's the present. Right? Then the drizzlies of the world, we, we just saw Uber doing the deal, right? So again, this is just gonna become bigger and more integrated. And then whenever we can have DTC, we're always going to respect our three TF system because it works amazingly well, right? But but I really believe there's a there's a way for us to do things in a very clear, organized way that will be great for consumers, and also extremely positive for the business. In the end of the day, Dave, I think that we need to to add value to consumers. Again, back to consumer centricity, right? This is how they want to buy things, and they will buy things online, including alcohol, more and more moving forward. So the only way is up in terms of us getting better connected to that and developing easier solutions for, to, to provide them more convenience. We've reached a point of no return.
1: Yeah. So on that theme of consumer centricity, Anheuser-Busch, probably more so than any other brand, is really known for hospitality, big in-person events, you know, things around music and sports and everything that else that goes into it. Can you talk a little bit about the pivot that you made during you know, COVID for digital and live streaming? And then how do you think about the future? Because as you mentioned, everybody wants to get back to having a beer in person. But what's going to stay and what's going to change? And how do you think about that?
0: I think I see it. I see a three-pronged approach here, or three steps about this. So first was, I mean, during lockdown, everything became, in terms of uh, when you talk about occasions, it was all in-home, period. So it was, of course, crazy, as we were talking about earlier today, right, because we had to pivot all the, all the plans we had, every single brand plan we had had to pivot. But it was also great for us to discover what, what we can do, right? So we developed all these music uh, streaming platforms, Gaming exploded even more. And this, is, will, this will simply continue to work that way. And we developed some, some very interesting gaming platforms as well. People cooking at home, doing meals at home, not only eating at home, but cooking at home is a big thing that will continue to, to grow. So we developed a lot of streaming platforms like that as well. And also connected to health and wellness, home workouts. So it's going to take a while for people to feel comfortable enough to go back to a gym. So people work out at home big time. And we developed a lot of uh, some powerful, like especially with Michelob Botra, workout sessions online as well. So it was amazing for us to discover what we can build from our brands to be really meaningful and add tangible value to consumers using streaming. And I think this is going to continue. So that's step number one, the in-home approach. Step number two, I think will be some, hopefully, as we start to, to build the herd immunity after all the vaccines, I really believe that potentially by summertime this year, there's a big chance we're going to a state of euphoria with people feeling comfortable enough about getting out again. And then I think people will do it like crazy, right? Restaurants, uh, bars and travel and all that people will, will kind of go back to life. Like if there was no tomorrow, at least for one or two months, I think this is what's going to happen. So I think we're going to pivot back to the other extreme. Right, and, and we're working already on, on, on how to, again, add value and to show up to consumers in a relevant way as they look for out-of-home entertainment. And this is when I think your point is going to come back in a very strong way. And we, we need to be ready to provide amazing experience for people that will be craving to have uh, those out-of-home experiences again. And then step three will be a hybrid. I really believe that some of these in-home behaviors will stay because people realize how I mean, all the good things that they can have at home, being in a safer environment, on the quality of the content and the quality of the entertainment they can have in home. Some some behavior will stay more connected to in-home, but of course, the out-of-home entertainment, cultural events, uh, big uh, out-of-home experiences will ever and forever be something highly desirable. So we're going to, to live in a different but still hybrid model for sure, and it's our job to be ready for that.
1: Perfect. Well, Marcel, it's been a pleasure to sit down and uh, learn a little bit more about your guys' journey and what you have in store. I uh, appreciate you taking the time and the chaos of the post-Super Bowl to uh, spend some time with us. So oh, I appreciate the
0: time, David. It's, uh, it's been a pleasure, and, and it's great uh, uh, when we manage to have conversations like this. As we spoke in the beginning, I believe that the, the, the name of the game is humanity. I think what's going on now is making all of us more human, starting from companies and people we're all becoming more human. So the format that you have here is I think perfect. And it's been a big pleasure to be part of it. Thanks again for for, for having me.
1: Oh, thank you. Thanks so much for listening. If you like the show, hit that rating and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And for more resources, head over to predictingtheturn.com.